It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. This is the March Mentor Chat. Um, One of my favorites to get together uh, with a bunch of seasoned leaders to just chat through life and ministry. And uh, this month, we're talking about making the right decisions for your context uh, and what that looks like. But before we jump into that, let's figure out who's on this call. Uh, Joe, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Joe Hornis. And... uh former worship leader, worship director for about 35 years, and now I'm doing online consulting and training for worship leaders and worship ministries at the Joe Hornis Worship Collective, but thrilled to be here. Awesome. How about you, Jason? My name is Jason Harris. I'm the Senior Director of Worship and Production at Browncroft Community Church in Rochester, New York, where I get to serve alongside just an amazing team, um, an amazing group of volunteers, and uh, just lead together and uh, lead our congregation before the Lord to experience Him. So it's great to be with you. I love it. How about you, Tim? Uh, My name is Tim Tibbles. I am the uh, Creative Arts and Worship uh, Minister at First Church in Owasso, a little suburb outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I've been here cumulatively about uh, almost 20 years. So enjoying, enjoying this season of ministry. That's amazing. And Michael. My name is Michael Bond. I am based in Grants Pass, Oregon, in the northwestern part of the U.S. I work with a network of churches called River Valley Church, and I lead worship almost weekly, and I'm a campus pastor, and I love to invest not only in the worship leaders and the growth within our network and train them up, but I love to go beyond as God leads and opens doors to help encourage uh, churches, you know, throughout the U.S. and sometimes internationally. So I'm blessed to be here today. So good. And Grant, Grant, go ahead. Yes. Yes. Hello, my name is Grant Norsworthy, originally from Australia, but I live in New Zealand. That's why I'm speaking with this particular accent. I hope you're coping with all six of our accents, listeners. (laughs) Um, But right now I'm in Sacramento, California, and I head up a thing called More Than Music Mentor, which is providing Mm -hmm. online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians. You are in California. Yeah. And that's exciting on the West Coast. I'm excited to have uh, you guys all here. This is a big group today. I'm excited for this conversation. Um, Oftentimes, oftentimes there's uh, just like a couple of us, but... Today we got a big group and, a, and a, we're gonna have a good good, good chat here. Um, this month we're talking about making the right decisions for your context. Context being where you are in ministry, your church, your space, um, your culture, your life, everything that kind of comes through that particular space. Um, but our first question I want to ask you guys is: What do you do as a worship leader? How do you choose songs that are the right songs? for where you are, for who you're leading, for who's in front of you. Um, What is, uh, because I mean, you're going to maybe do different songs depending on who the congregation is and what that looks like. And so, um, Grant, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm a little bit different from the other guys on this call where um, I I travel. I'm I'm not 
the one person who's there every Sunday leading sung worship. So I get to travel around and I have a repertoire that I actually have organized on an Excel spreadsheet. And I said a PDF to the church where I'm going to be leading and ask uh, the pastor or someone from the staff to indicate from that list which songs are well known by the congregation. And on my repertoire, there's just a like as a big wide range of songs, old songs, new songs, fast songs, slow songs, songs that suit certain different flavors and styles and theological emphases of the church that in my experience, not only across America, but around the world. And uh, I asked them to let me know as many of those songs as they can that they think will connect well. And then I'll choose my set list from what they have chosen from my list. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm in the same boat as you. And oftentimes there's an assumption from the churches that I'm going to come in and do all of my own stuff. And it's like, no, I want to do, I want to do what your church is going to do. I love that idea with the kind of having that list, that pre-list ahead up, set up ahead of time. Um, Jason, do you have some thoughts there? Yeah, I think, cause what you guys are talking about a little bit is just kind of, how do you get to know the church? And so I've been at Browncroft for 13 plus years now. And so I've had the opportunity to learn who the congregation is, who God has placed in front of us. And so I think that's the first thing when, when thinking about you know, selecting songs and all of that. It's really, who do you have in front of you? What's your church's DNA? How yeah. do they worship? What's the mission, vision, values that you have? And, you know, as a worship pastor, you get to experience that. But I think that's where you start. Who who is God placed in front of you? Um, and where has God taken them even? So look at the history of the church. Um, and then alongside of that is where is God taking the congregation? Where is God taking the church? And and you plan each Sunday in the midst of that, both where has God been, where has God taken you, and where is God taking you? And then you put the present in mind and go, okay, so what does that, where do we impact, where do we intersect those two? And that's kind of how you begin, in my mind, to, to plan for the congregation in front of you. I love it. Tim, do you have some thoughts there? Yeah, I am. Um, I think when I'm working with a lot of young worship leaders, they want to know what the song they were like, what is the song that ever, you know, um, and I think too often as worship leaders, we can get we can get caught up in the power being in the song. Uh, and, and, but we, but we know that's not true. The power is not in the song. The power is in the Lord that we are trying to bless. And so I think when we're, when we're planning songs, uh, like, like Grant and Jason have both said, we, we've got to keep the people in mind that we're trying to, uh, that we're trying to work with, uh, that we're trying to lead in order to give the song, uh, to the one with the power. And, um, honestly, I think as, as I've, become more seasoned. I don't want to say gotten older, but as I've become more seasoned as a worship leader, uh, the songs have become less important to me mm -hmm. as the congregation and whether we can all jump in together and, and, and bless the Lord and give this gift to the Lord together. So I think first and foremost, what these guys said are true, we've got to figure out who we are as a family, uh, as a person uh, who's not the same as Grant, who gets to work at the same church every, uh, yeah. every Sunday. Um, you know, I've got to know who my congregation is and who God's called me to steward and then to lead them well in a place that that together we can give this gift, this blessing to the Lord. Amen. Michael. Yeah. Recently, a couple of weeks ago, Grant and I were blessed to be, uh, again, same place, same time, actually not even online like this. We were meeting in the same actual physical space. <laughs> Pretty fun. And we got to minister to people right there face-to-face -face at a worship conference on the West Coast in I, I was I was surprised by the amount of comments I had in the classes I taught that by people that came up to me afterwards and said, I just took over leading 
at this church or that that church. And so I wanted to make a comment for those of you that are listening that are entering into a new environment where you know you're planning on being there for a while, but you just got there and you don't know what to do. I'd encourage you to number one, just get to know people by just talking with them, taking them to coffee, getting to know their names. And I would just not out of a sense of you're taking a survey and you're trying to please man, but just out of building relationships and, and caring for people, uh, a great way for a new worship leader to build repertoire with people or, or rapport, not repertoire, rapport is just ask them what songs have really ministered to them over time. Uh, it's like, it seems like for a lot of folks, there's, depending on their generation, there's a song or two that just played a pretty powerful, profound role in, in maybe they're, they're coming to the Lord, their rededication to the Lord, or it pulled them through a difficult time. And a lot of people talk about that. And then what happens is after you have 10 to 20 of those conversations, you start seeing, getting a theme to at least understand what, what's in everybody's Spotify playlist of mm. songs that have made spiritual impact in their life. And then those are songs that you can draw from. Because um, as Tim said, that's it's fair. It's it's not a, but there's no one song that's the catch-all. I don't think we should ever lead by just saying what's the top 25 CCLI, CCLI songs. Although I appreciate the resources that CCLI provides and how they serve the church. Um, we have to know what's on the heart of our church. Yeah. Uh, what's God taking them through? What is What are their song vocabulary? What are their song lists? What are their go-tos? And I think when you know that, that doesn't mean you have to do all those songs, but you can at least have that in the back of your mind to know, wow, there's five people told me that they're all, their heart was rocked by this one particular song. Maybe sometimes I should bring that up because that might help them enter into worship, especially with a newer worship leader, that a shepherd that they don't have a yeah. relationship with very deep or don't, don't necessarily know and trust them as much. So mm-hmm. just some thoughts for those of you that are, that are kind of entering into a new space and new responsibility. Yeah. What do you... Uh, Joe, you got some, go for it. Well, I think, uh, you know, this is a, a recurring theme for me, of course, but what I hear us all saying is, is really what God longs for in worship is a connection with his people. He longs for us to encounter him, for him to encounter us and for this, there, there to be this meeting, not just singing songs, but engaging hearts, you know, where mm-hmm. we, where we connect with with God in relationship. I mean, that's who he is. And, and I think what everybody is saying here um, is saying, what are the songs that people can connect with, engage their hearts with so that, so that when we lead, it's not about this particular song or, or that latest top hit, you're building a worship time that it's all about saying what's going to enable people to engage their hearts and have an encounter, you know, to meet with, God and um, and usually most often that's going to involve singing something that they know uh, so they're not in you know you can teach new things and you need to teach new things but so that the whole thing isn't all about they're not in learning mode the whole time but there are things where they can just close their eyes and open their hearts and say oh yes God you know because they know it and they're familiar so I think all of us are very much around that theme. Yeah, Grant. Yeah, and I want to support that, Joe. You know, I, this was really helpful for me. A number of years ago, I came to the realization that playing the right song shouldn't be the objective. You know, mm-hmm. the right song isn't the goal. The goal is the connection that you're referring to. We want our hearts and minds and voices engaged with this connection with God, but also with our community, a horizontal and a vertical connection. 
And uh, so seeing the songs on my repertoire or the songs for the set list for a given Sunday service, they are vehicles to connection. And uh, as I've spun more deeply into that, that truth, um, I'm happier to play songs that don't really scratch my musical itches or even my, my <laughs> lyrical poetic itches, you know, like yeah. they're just songs that are going to, I know are going to help that particular room full of people connect um, vertically and horizontally. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Yeah. Tim. I think, uh, I think one of the most significant moments I've ever had as a worship leader was the first time I went to Boston to see a Red Sox game. <laughs> And we get to the seventh inning stretch. And if you've never been to Boston uh, to watch the Red Sox play in the seventh inning stretch, the whole crowd stops and they all sing Sweet Caroline. And I'm watching, I'm watching a crowd of 30,000 people go crazy over the song that is frankly not that great of a song, but everybody loves to sing because there's a connection there with the person sitting next to you and complete strangers, you know, reaching out, touching hands, you know, (laughs) touching me, touching you. And I think I realized in that moment, there's is what, what Grant's saying is there is a significance to all of us collectively being able to reach out towards the Lord, but also to be, have this horizontal connection with each other that we are in unity, you know, and if you look at scripture, you look at what Paul taught, he taught more about unity than everything else. Else. And we like to we like to talk about all the things that churches should people shouldn't shouldn't be doing. Uh, but he talked about unity more than anything. Else. So for all of us uh, to be able to, to to have that horizontal connection, uh, to give that vertical gift, as Grant's talking about, I think is 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 what we're aiming for. Yeah, little uh, little Red Sox fact for you. I uh, I had a, a friend of mine from Little League in on the Red Sox, and he uh, I got to play against him, and then he went to the Red Sox and. Um, which because that you. doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything as me as a baseball player. It's all about you him as a baseball him, player. You but helped him succeed. <laughs> I helped him succeed. I helped him sing that song. But I love, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love, I love that. I love that point there. I mean, in today's world specifically, where like, um, we don't. There's so much music available today. Like, it. Everybody has their like. I mean, there's always new music. There's always new things coming out, and it's like there's just t- almost too much, t- too much to digest. Feels like, and so it's like. It's like you have to come back to this principle of like, what am I doing? Because it's like there's a fire hose of new music coming at you on a regular basis. Um, every time anyone releases a new project, it's like, which one am I going to do at church? And which songs am I going to write? Which song am I supposed to play in the congregation? And um, But yeah, Michael, what are you thinking? Well, as I say, is I think we could sometimes miss some of the basics, which is if you have to plan a set of worship, start in prayer and ask the Lord, God, what do you want us to sing to you this week? What's the congregation going through? What are we wrestling with? You know, what's what's our church wrestling with? What am I wrestling with? Because you, we want to worship with honesty. You know, John four says spirit and truth. Yeah, obviously God's truth, but we want to be honest as well. And sometimes there might be a song that's really popular. There's some that I've had people, even my own pastor, suggest at times. It's like that's just that's not a real honest song for me. I can't really sing that honestly. So Mm. I really believe the Holy spirit will speak to us and and nudge us towards um, what we should do on a certain week. And Grant alluded to this earlier. It might surprise you. I think sometimes you take a risk. It might surprise you what song you throw out there that might not have been your go-to, but you felt nudged to do it. And it's exactly where people were at and needed to be. And that's just, you know, the mystery of the Holy spirit and our leading yeah joe yeah i just want to back that up a thousand percent of you know one of the rules we kind of had with the team that i led at willow creek was just 
let's not put our pen to paper until we put our knees to the floor. And in our worship Good. planning time, mm. we always, we'd come in, we'd share our Starbucks and swap a few stories and we'd get on our knees for the next 15, 20 minutes and just say, God, we believe you want to meet us. We mm-hmm. believe you, there's someplace where we, you want us to encounter you, where you want to encounter us. Where is that? And we didn't start planning songs until we knew this is where we we'd get done praying and say all right what was your sense and we would always have some kind of a unanimous kind of consensus we i think god wants to meet us here and we would write that on the board and we'd say okay now let's build a worship time that actually could take us to that place that and when we get done putting the order together we'd go all right does that order have the chance of actually taking us to that place and and that we would meet God there. But I mean, again, I love that everybody here is saying, start with prayer, start to start by listening. God has an opinion on this and he would he would he longs to meet us. And and he just might share something with us where we'd go, OK, let's build let's pick songs that build us to that place. And I and I love that I'm hearing that from everybody you going start yeah. there and see what god might say go ahead sorry yeah no joe i was gonna can i pick it back off of that i want to ask you in who was who was breathing life into those conversations when you were planning orders of services at willow i mean like position wise who was who was actually contributing to that conversation not just the person leading worship it sounds like but more more a, a collective conversation yeah, well, I was the worship director, so I was leading that meeting and leading that time. But um, Willow was big enough, and we had people on staff, sometimes in different roles, you know, on doing something different on the staff, but they were part of the worship team. So it it worked that I had four or five other pe- people yeah. that would could were available on a Friday morning. But almost I I never led worship without having somebody on stage that we were in the process of mentoring, handing off, developing, and sharing worship leader thing. It was never about me. And so, but it was that whole group, any of the people that I was mentoring and working with would come together. So there would be four or five of us on a Friday morning. And but every one of them were in some process, they were on the worship team and in some process of being mentored and developed and sharing the worship leading um, together. So it was also a great way to model for them when, you know, as worship leaders someday somewhere of this is how we begin this is how we seek God. Yep. This is how we listen for his voice. Here's how we choose our songs and build our orders. It was it was a great way to, um, for us to all learn that process together. I love it. I love it. Let's. I'm going to jump to, oh, Grant, you have one more thought? Go ahead. I was just going to say, too, in addition to that, it's great to have songs on your repertoire that we can reach for that support the sermon, uh, the Bible mm-hmm. reading for that day. Um, you know, uh, I, I happen to be a person who can preach as well. Uh, usually the church is smaller and they let me preach and lead sung worship. Uh, it's a pretty pretty full-time thing. But, you know, if, if I've got a sermon that's about realizing that God has chosen us for a special role, then I'm going to reach for a song like Who You Say I Am where the bridge says, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. And look, any link like that that I can bring to the gathering that helps there be a connection between Bible reading and the songs or the songs and the sermon. Mm. Those are, those are a good thing to do. That's why almost every song on my repertoire is actually about Jesus, you know, because he shows up a lot. That's good. Imagine that. Imagine that. (laughs) Do you have, I I don't want to ask if you have songs that aren't about Jesus on your repertoire, but I don't, 
<laughs> but I do want to know. But anyway, um, so question for you: As you're making decisions in your for your context, sometimes there comes a point where you realize maybe you're not the right person for that context. Um, and if what is how do I know if I'm the right person to continue being the leader? Um, or and, and also how do I know it's time for me to leave versus making changes so that maybe I fit where I'm at? And I will let you I will say this is uh not a this is a big question. Um, but I have been in uh the uh times as a leader for I we used to have a music teaching studio and I started feeling that I was no longer the right person to continue leading that studio. So started having conversations about what it meant to be gone because my gift set was no longer in play in line with what was, uh, what was, what, what it was taking to, to be that person. And so wanted to unpack this question and uh, curious which one of you wants to jump in on uh, kind of attacking that one. Um, Grant. Hi. Yeah, I'll throw myself at it because I didn't see anyone else saying they would. Um, for me, it really is a, as a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, look, can I just make a confession? These guys like to rag on me a little bit, and I kind of like it. I think it's American for I like you. I hope it is. <laughs> but um, I, I have lived in three different countries, and I've travelled a lot, and I've, I've connected with a lot of different styles and flavours of the Christian church. So maybe arrogantly, most situations, I think I am the right fit, just to be totally honest. I think yeah. I can I can adjust the songs I'm going to choose and the way I'm going to talk and the way I'm going to dress and how I'm going to speak between songs to fit the room. I think I'm pretty good at reading the room. But there was a situation where I was asked to bring a band together for a youth, a summer camp, youth summer camp. I'm in my 50s. And I chose a guy to lead that band, like to be the front spokesperson lead singer who's 19 and chirpy, you know, like he's high energy guy. I put myself on bass in the back line, you know, and I wore a hat, <laughs> you know, because I got silver hair. Because I knew this room full of excitable teenagers weren't going to really connect with me, you know. And um, so I, I can sing better than him, technically. I felt like I'd probably choose better words to say around the songs technically, but it connected a lot better when I wasn't in that role. And it just, I found it freeing and I love playing bass anyway. I was still the musical director, mind you, but yeah. I let him go. I let him have his head, you know, do your thing. I love it. So you're saying it's, it's in those instances, like it's, it's take a step back and put somebody in that role. That's going to be, that's going to be it that is, person. Yes. Because the, the objective is connection. Yep. Connection with God and connecting with people through music, right? Yep. I'm not the right guy for that at that at that summer camp with the youth. Totally. A 19-year-old who sings okay is going to do a better job of that. That, yep. that was my assessment, and I think I was right because it went well. I love it. Tim, what are your thoughts? I think as, uh, <clears throat> as leaders, we're all stewards of what is already the Lord's you know, and I love the parable of the talents because it, 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 you know, one of the things we learn from that is that the Lord gives as each uh, has the ability to steward. And um, in the end, this is not ours. And the way Jesus tells the story is that the king comes back and he asks for his possession, his property back from his stewards at some point. And um, I think, you know, for me, who's, uh, who's been a little bit of transition for, for me and my family the last, you know, six -ish years, uh, coming back to uh, the, what was originally my home church, um, this has been a huge lesson for me that at some point seasons are very short. 
Um, and at some point God is going to come back and say, okay, this thing that I've entrusted you with, what have you done with it? Mm. Theoretically, I should be able to give him something back greater than what he left me with. Uh, but in the end, it's never, it's not mine to begin with. So once we see ourselves as stewards, uh, of what is already the Lord's, I think we put ourselves in a position of, okay, how do I best multiply this thing that the Lord has given me? Whether it's saying, you know what, I'm not the best person to sing that song, or whether it's saying I'm, I'm better off the platform this week, or I'm better in the bass guitar role, you know, which only a few people can do well. So, um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I think the stewardship is a big part of this. And we tend to think of stewardship as money, but as leaders, we have been given something that is the Lord's to steward Amen. for him. And in the end, he will come back and he'll want it back. Amen. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Just a thought off of a bunch of this, because I think in a lot of churches, it can get a little confusing, but because um, we're talking about, and, and I love that guys are saying, you know, let's find the young worship leader that's going to connect, that's going to relate. But again, but it's for the purpose of helping people connect with God and engage with God. And you want them to go in home going, I've been in the presence of God. I had an encounter with Jesus today. This was, I want to come back. But a lot of times in, in American churches, I'll put it that way, you know, what we do is we kind of substitute worship uh, what God hopes is going to be worship, and we and we turn it into programming, and we and we're worried about it being cool, hip, loud, um, you know, attractional, and we're worried about uh, the guy leading having earring and earring and tattoos and a guitar because it's going to be more popular somehow for people. And I think it's just, it's a reminder that, yes, we want to be relevant. We want to help people connect, but it's not because we're trying to be cool, hip, uh, attractional. It is, it's the encounter with Jesus that, Amen. that changes hearts and that will, people will be more inclined to come back to than if it's just loud in an effort to be cool and, you know, to, to somehow fit an image. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I just think. Yeah, that that I think that we go, yes, we want to be relevant. We want to help people connect, but it's for the sake of relationship with each other and with God, not not out of out of um, a, a desire to grow my church or be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Michael, go ahead. Yeah, this is a super deep question, Jason. It, it touches on, I think, some. really core things for all of us. I think it touches on identity and security as, as someone who serves. Uh, I've watched, I've been now at my church, current church family over 20 years, and I've watched staff changes over the years and I've seen friends go and then I've seen come back and we've talked through and, and processed what that was like and what happened in their life. And I've, I see a common theme of, when, when people allow their position to become their identity, mm. it just ultimately always goes sideways. And if your security is in your position and in how people look at you and all that you do and not who that you are in the Lord, number one, you're doomed for a lot of toxic stuff that's yeah. going to come out eventually. And, and also what, what stinks about that is if someone spends their the majority of their career years in ministry putting their identity in their position, they will most likely miss out on opportunities to do what Joe talked about earlier, which is raising up the next. 
Like, even if you're 19 years old and you have a position of authority and worship at a church, you should be raising up the next Yep. of any age. If you're 19, you, you could be raising up someone younger than you. You should be. But you're probably investing in raising up people that are your parents' age or your grandparents' age. Who are you empowering? Who are you equipping? Because if you're, I, I believe if your heart is, you know, about raising the next, as opposed to, I've heard it said, if you're only focused on becoming the best, you make yourself susceptible to potentially being the last, mm. <laughs> meaning mm-hmm. it ends with you mm-hmm. because you're not investing in the next. So if your heart is to invest in the next, then you might do what Joe's doing or do, um, do what Grant's doing, where you're always looking around going, you know what? I think that I want to give that singer an opportunity. I'm going to give that person an opportunity. Yeah. I want to give that guitarist an opportunity to where your security is not in. Oh my gosh, I'm not on the mic at all this week. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm, I'm backing up someone else. Um, I think you get what I'm saying. So I, th- this can be really, really rough for people because they feel threatened. And if I don't, if I don't have enough stage time or mic time, I'm I'm not in a strong position, or I'm weak, or I'm insecure, and that's again, that's some deep stuff, honestly, to talk to counselors about. And I, I mean, no disrespect. I'm not yeah. joking at all that I, this can sabotage a career when your security is in anything but the Lord. Not that that's easy. I've struggled my whole career trying to grow up, figure out who I am in Jesus and who I am as an adult. They say it happens at 18. <laughs> that is not the case. That's not the case. I'm still trying to figure out who I want to be when I grow up. And life is complex and throws you for loops. But all that to say, again, that's why I feel like this could be a long, long discussion. There's yeah. a lot of real honest things that people go through in trying to answer these questions. I love it. Jason, do you have some thoughts there? Yeah, I think the the key words that have already been talked about are invest, invest in others, and make that your focus as a worship leader. Be outpouring. Um, and so, like, I love when I'm not on the platform or when I'm backing somebody yep. up. And not that I'm called to do that every Sunday, but I'm always going like, how do I raise up somebody else, my volunteers or my staff and looking for ways to intentionally give away leadership, intentionally giving away ownership of, you know, leadership of the congregation. And I feel like my role as a facilitator, there are many times where I can facilitate worship best by not being the front man. Yep. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not a worship leader. That doesn't mean I'm not leading the congregation. That just means I'm not singing that song or not mm-hmm. leading that song. And I think making our identity away from the songs that we sing and into, you know, empowering and, you know, raising up, then it doesn't have to be the next, just it doesn't have to be an age thing, just other people on your team and making it more about how do we as a congregation or how do we as a team uh, come together and have joint ownership of the ministry that God has blessed us with. And I think the more and more you experience that joint ownership, the more freeing because it doesn't, it's not weighing on you. You're experiencing the Lord with others that that God has called you and drawn you in um, to worship and leading worship uh, for your church. And I think we talked about empowering the next, and I want to include, it's also important to remember to be getting empowered in the process mm-hmm. as well. And so you're as you're pouring into somebody, mm-hmm. make sure that somebody's pouring into you so mm-hmm. you're not always dumping out and you're 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 somebody is making sure that you're good yes. and you're and what you're doing and and that and that doesn't mean 
I listen to a podcast and I read books. It's physically somebody that is it is me that's connecting with you and helping you be better. Joe, yeah, why don't you go ahead and um well, I just off of what's just being said, but um there was a real key time in in our process at Willow and again we were went from a church of being you know a few hundred high school kids to 20 some thousand people uh in the in the time that I was there and so it was really easy for people to start to kind of go well they were concerned get could it would really easily creep in well who's singing the solo or who's getting that or you know my uh you know keeping my job in my place in the middle of all that and uh, Nancy Beach, our boss, one time walked into a, a rehearsal we were at and she opened up her Bible. And I forget, I think it's it's either first or second Chronicles 16. But the gist of it was she read the story where David uh, says to God, David wants to build the, the temple. And God says, no, Solomon's going to build it. And David goes through some angst with that and some struggles with that. But then he comes to this point where he says, Oh, God, who am I that you would bring me this far? Mm. I was but a shepherd boy and you made me a king. And then he pours the rest of his life. He stockpiles riches and stuff so that Solomon, his son, can succeed at building the temple. And uh, we just developed, you know, we would look at each other on the vocal team and stuff now and then and just go, who am I? Who am I? And it was just that reminder of going, God, who am I that I would think you would use me at all? I'm just a shepherd boy, but you made me a king because of what Christ has done. And, you know, and I think cultivating that spirit on your team where you go, who am I, Lord? And I, it is an honor for me to do everything I can, like David did to help Solomon um, succeed, um, that just became a value on our team that deepened our unity and our love for each other because we were constantly going, who am I? How can I help you succeed? You know, how can I help God do all that he wants to do through your life? And uh, man, when you do ministry with people like that, it's just life-changing and transformational. Amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I want to wrap up today. You guys, I thank you so much for this conversation and just the time that's spent pouring into pouring into leaders. Um, and before we uh, wrap up the the, the call or the this uh, episode, um, I have to ask my food question. So uh, my food question today is: We are in the month of March, which means that uh, St. Patrick's Day is is around the corner. So a quick yes or no: corned beef and cabbage. Is mm. are, is that is Joe? Is that is that a thing in your house? Yeah, yes. my wife has an awesome recipe for corned beef. Yes, it's absolutely fabulous. Sure. I love it. What about you, Jason? No, no, no. Oh man, no. I thought I was in good company. Tim, what? Are... No, we're in Oklahoma, man. Like oh. <laughs> Michael, bro, I can't even believe you're asking me this. Come on now, Grant, is this? Oh, you're talking about an American version of St. Patrick's Day, then? Yes, corned beef and cabbage. Well, <laughs> gotcha. Thanks for, thanks for, thanks it's, for throwing it's that It's an out Irish there. thing, though. You know it's an Irish thing, don't I you? I do know that. I do know that. I do. Okay. Okay. No, my answer is no. <laughs> Joe, you and I are going to hang out sometime and, and eat corned beef That's and cabbage because that... I'm 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 ashamed that I I thought more of you would be on on, on the point with Joe's this. Joe's wife has the recipe. 
Joe's Rife as a recipe. So anyway, hey, you guys are awesome. Hey, thanks for hanging out today. And uh, we'll see everybody. Uh, we'll see everybody next week.